It's Wednesday, April 28th, 2021, and you're listening to episode 567 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 40 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name's Chad. And I'm Brodor. So, you know, I thought this West Marches game was going to be interesting, among other reasons, because of the fact that I was going to be sharing creative space with other GMs, which has now occurred a couple times. My brother-in-law, Doug, who is my youngest sister's husband, he has run a couple of games. And so, and there's, you know, there's definitely some pucker moments on my part that speak far more to my control issues than anything he did. He actually ran really good games. Mm-hmm. I thought he did a great job, and I'm always happy to see somebody who's relatively new to GMing say, I want to do this. And it's actually inspired a bunch of other people at the table now say, hey, I bet I could do this, and I want to give this a try. So now Adam wants to give it a try, and so on and so forth. And so it's going to be really interesting and really cool. What I was not expecting was... The youngest of the players, which is my 10-year-old nephew, his birthday is right about now-ish. I won't give a date because I don't want to... Dox him? Yeah, I don't want to dox a kid. (laughs) We'll just say it's about now-ish. And he said for his birthday, so we're celebrating his birthday on Saturday, and he said that on the Friday before, he wants to have us do a West Marches game, and he insisted John must be there. Hmm. He absolutely insisted that it is outright necessity that John Grana be present. A fair request. And uh, wants to GM it. Hmm. So now I'm going to have to share GMing space because, look, in West Marches, in the context of a particular session I am running, when I'm dealing with the players, I can stick to my favored yes, but method of GMing of, mm-hmm. okay, I will work with what you want, but let's do some adjustments and keep within the rules and watch balance and so on and so forth. But when you're dealing with the other GMs, once you agree to some ground rules, sure. you don't get to yes, but each other's creativity. Because mm-hmm. if in Wayne's game, we open the door to a temple and the temple's full of orcs, well, we can't in my game open it up and it's just that never happened. Right. So either the orcs are there or I have to account for what happened to the orcs. So it's very yes and, which is not my comfort zone. And like I said, I'm learning some people <laughs> skills because the issue is not the other GMs. The issue is mine. 90% they, of these people skills are shutting the f*** up. Yes. And letting it happen. So, and they this... said, now I have to step back. And it's like my beautiful creation. And now a 10-year-old's about to take it. But it's so beautiful. Right. It's I such mean, a beautiful thing. It is. It's like, so is this the same nephew that's doing all of the game notes? No, that's okay. the older of the two. Because I am jealous of that. So... Broder and I have completely let Dan down, and we haven't done anything with this game. Or yeah, you, part think of you have to even Phenomenal. show up. But, <laughs> but I have seen some comments. Now that's funny. I have seen some comments on the Discord, and one of Dan's nephews is doing like game notes, play by play. Here's what happened. Here's the session reports. Yeah, he's live blogging it. It is so awesome to see the energy that well, they're having. Have you seen all the memes? No. The same nephew when he's doing the game notes. Go under. There's a. We added a another channel on that Discord server. This is not the Fear the Boot one, so don't go looking there for this. Called like silliness and pictures or something to that effect. Because he was starting, because he's, he's 14, right? right? So he's memeing us. He's, they yeah. speak in memes. He's memeing the game. And that's yeah. it's great. I've never had a creative property of mine memed. And so he's memeing the game as we play it. And so we had to create a channel for him to put that in. And 
I'm sure they're a whole lot funnier if you actually are at the games, which is both neutral commentary and barbed shot. But hmm. you guys suck when they're <laughs> part of this. <laughs> but they're really funny. Like he's got quite a wit on him. But no, this is not him. So that's the older of the two nephews. This is the younger of the two. So in other words, what you're saying is all of your nephews are just awesome and they are gifts to gaming. Apparently not that you would know. Not that I would know, but <laughs> <laughs> I know John has to be there to witness it, but Wayne, you are disposable. Yeah. You're an unknown quantity because you yeah. don't show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what's really kind of causing some problems too is so the group has a cleric who doesn't show up. <laughs> the group has a rogue who doesn't show up. And the group has people who speak goblinoid who are not showing up. And right now the group is really hurting for three things. <laughs> so and, like we're, and we're both responsible for those three things. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That sounds like an excellent game. Really. <laughs> I mean, we always say the stories and the problems, right? Yeah. So, and, and if that's the case, Thanks, Chad, yeah. <laughs> Thank well, you. I, I, we're integral. Part, parts of the story by being the problem yes. yeah. yeah well you're fortunately welcome, <laughs> you guys are basically middle management because apparently everyone has just found a way to work around your uselessness <laughs> dude yeah. you because that is you the story are, of my life that is not the subject matter of this podcast but yeah you and that's real <laughs> Because the Olaf bards have cussed real life. That's real life. <laughs> because the bards have kind of figured out how to paper over the rogues missing. Of course they did. The uh, you don't need the druid edition. You don't need a, You don't need right. anything. The, anything. The druid, yeah. along with some help from the bards and paladin, have figured out how to paper over most of the non-existence well, you got of a, a cleric. druid and a you got a druid a paladin and a bard what the hell do you even need a cleric for well you need them for okay like now, to make you feel guilty they, <laughs> well, all right so there used to be a good reason i don't know if it's there anymore in fact i will say i don't think it is which is it used to be there was a lot of cleric only utility ability that no other class got it was only clerics now in tasha's they broadened it to start including other classes. Like, for example, a lot of the true divination stuff, like augury. We're about to go up a mountain, and either the dragon's dead or alive. Is this a good idea? You know, for, oh, I hate augury. Throw the bones, right? But the, well, the point is, though, this is... Role play, figure it out. Don't cast a spell. Go up there. That's where the adventure is, not, is the adventure going to be fun up there? Okay, well, what, well, if you go up there, it will be fun. Well, whether you like specific <laughs> spells or not, my point is, they do exist. Right. And until Tasha's, they were limited to spells like this. And it wasn't just Augury, but that's one mm-hmm. example. There was a list of utility spells, not healing, but list utility spells that were locked only to clerics. Now they open that up in Tasha. So if you're up to your current D and D splat, which fortunately five E's been relatively gentle on the splat, fantastic on the splat. I love it. At, at well, calculated, just an absolute deliberate design to avoid the mistakes they had made, and mm-hmm. third, and to a lesser degree, and fourth. Tasha edition. has some seriously awesome stuff in it. That I would geek out about, except I'm getting ready to do an online D&D game and some of my players listen, and I don't want them to know what I'm geeking out about in the book because it's going to be in game. Well, <laughs> I, we might get a reaction out of this because the one thing I was really disappointed in in Tasha's because it is the primary reason I bought the book and I've gotten other great stuff out of it. Like they actually do have a better system for balancing encounter levels and such in there. 
which I normally don't use, but since we're sharing GM space, I have to start doing mm-hmm. treasure charts and such because we need to make sure that you don't have the GMs being wildly different in how they hand out XP, how they hand out loot, how yeah. they milestone XP, and then offline the GMs say, "You yeah, feel it's but- about time." Yeah, I feel it's about time. All right. Yeah, but West March, there's mechanical differences, and I don't mean rules differences. There's just functional differences in the way West March's game unfolds. Because, for example, there isn't a central plot. And in terms of benchmarks, you could be sitting with a group of people where one of them has been at every game, one of them has been at half the games, one of them, this is their first game. And so who's at the benchmark and why? You know, and Well, I, and, I mean, not to get too deep in the weeds about it, though, but it's like, is XP and leveling a reward for showing up? Is that your carrot and stick? Because if the answer is yes, I mean, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, and I think in West Marches, it's not. The game there, should there be the are. first biggest carrot. You know, participation should right. be your biggest carrot. Yeah. But is XP and loot part of it in West Marches? I mean, yeah, it is. Because the think. way I see it, it's like there's a game I'm playing and the players want to do stuff and I need them to be able to do some stuff. Yeah. So I need them to be at this level. And I don't care if. Wayne and Brodor have just completely pooped on my game and just not shown up because they're sure. jerks and problems. But if they do happen to dine to show up one day, then I don't want them to be at level zero like the they are, but I want them to be at like level nine with the rest of the group. Yeah, and that's which Wayne and I have talked about it. Actually, we're waiting for level 12. <laughs> <laughs> phenomenal okay <laughs> if you want to come at level one when they're level 12 <laughs> because what chad is saying is 100 yeah. percent true it's the, stylistic the, yeah, yeah the stylistic counterpoint i would raise is i don't want to over punish the fact that life happens right i don't want it to be you miss one game and suddenly you're just screwed and now you forever mm-hmm. bear the scarlet letter i don't want that to be the case i want it to be you can miss a game or two or three and still you know, find some way. Look, we'll just catch you up on the back end yeah. or worst case scenario. I'll pick a night and we'll do a side adventure and I'll just write you up to the same point they are. But I also do not want to incentivize or equalize non-participation. Showing up at level 12 six months later because twelve level 12 is cool. Level zero is not. And the yeah. slog between the two is not your jam. Yeah, it will exactly. Or just you whatever, got geniuses. Whatever the case <laughs> is. Yeah, I'm Except not this going, the opposite for me. The fun game is zero through. Well, now you're just being whatever. dumb. That's you're just hurting <laughs> yourself. Yeah, I know. That's, I don't know. I don't, you got a you got a crazy game going on here. Today. I do. Yeah. So the ten year old wants to game master. <laughs> yeah, I know, and it's going to be a fascinating experience to see. Like, I don't have any expectation. I have literally no idea what I'm expect to happen out of this. So it's going to be very, very fascinating to see, because I'm expecting anything from it's going to be hilarious but chaotic to maybe it's not going to pan out real well in a lot of ways to maybe because he's a kid he's going to get partway through it and then kind of run out of steam and i'm going to have to insert myself to finish the game across the rest of the track or maybe he's watched so many good gms running these games for him that he's just going to run you know what here's here's the thing i would say whether it's good or not to me at this point is irrelevant it's the fact that he is one he's right he's a 10 year old kid yeah and he's the youngest person in there I'm not going to say who the oldest is because it would get me in trouble because it's not me. But uh oh, <laughs> I think I know who it is. <laughs> it's not you. No, you don't show up. <laughs> no, no it, it it actually would be me. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it would be Brodor if he showed up. <laughs> right, but, but because he's not, <laughs> that leaves somebody else. I'll out her because I won't get in trouble. <laughs> 
But the point being that there's a 10 year old kid who looks at this and Adam, their dad has commented that he's really impressed with how into this they are, mm-hmm. that it's getting them going creatively. They want to draw everybody's characters for them. Right. They're sitting at home writing kind of like what if stories about them. Mm-hmm. They want to understand the math. Yeah. And, and this is an activity they're doing with the family. Now mm-hmm. there are friends involved, but the backbone of the group is family members. See, Look, this is what parents, you know, mom, you know, I love you, but this is what you missed out on by, <laughs> by the whole satanic panic thing. Yeah. Because we could have been doing this great family activity, you know, which now Gen X is doing with their kids. Mm-hmm. You know what else I've noticed in the past few years? Discord has become the ultimate tool for between game things, because we look at our AP. We did the Skies of Glass mm-hmm. one, the Blades in the Dark game, the chat is run. My regular game, the West Marches game, the new online game. I'm doing discords for all of these that are their own separate discords yeah. where there's game talk happening between sessions, but it's more natural than any other online platform mm-hmm. I've had for games. And there's channels for things. And for the online games, I've taken up something that uh, you did, Dan, for my online D&D game that's getting ready to start. I've got channels for each individual that are locked down permission wise. That is my equivalent of passing me a note or me passing them a note. And I'm using that before the game for player negotiations for character creation. Well, and there's well. something else we've found is a good use for Discord, which is not just handling private stuff, but handling things that don't need to be resolved in game, but are in character actions. Like one of the big ones we were having is because it's West Marches and the loot's randomized and all this stuff, they're having to do a lot of trading to get what the stuff they actually want and like so with I, each other or with like caravan type stuff with caravan oh, type okay. stuff so like you go to the market finding a buyer for something especially mm. if it's a weird magical item being able to buy things and sometimes it's interesting to role play through because it might be a plot point that comes back to bite them in the butt later for example they just had maybe an hour or two of an adventure where they were uh, working on selling a Qual's Feather Token or Quail's Feather Token, mm-hmm. however you pronounce but it. But they needed a 100 gold piece diamond because they have to resurrect a guy and the cleric won't show up. So not only do they need the 100 gold piece diamond, they also need to rent a cleric. Listen, can I, 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 no, no, I, they actually I, ruled you, high you enough. Can, you can admonish Wayne and I <laughs> as people for not showing up. That's fine. But Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition as a mechanical system has solved all these f***ing problems. Yeah. Well, I know, ex- except for the I, fact that there's no page in my 5e player's handbook that makes you guys show up. God damn it, I said, pardon me. Summon imp. Su- <laughs> summon bro- I said, aside from Inter- Wayne and I being garbage. In- inter- interplanar bro door. Yeah, right. You can open up the door to the plane of bro. Mm-hmm. So, Wayne, I, Wayne I'm, I'm curious. What do you mean by GM negotiation? Now, I'm not particularly bright, but I can wrap my head around both Well, well words. hold your whore mouth for one moment. Well, I, now, my mouth is not a whore, sir. My mouth... His mouth does limited, not get paid. Has <laughs> a very limited <laughs> number of young ladies and men that it has been with. Okay, so... the <laughs> free. So, to so close off, I am. it is going to be fascinating. I, I might have a book report on how it went having mm-hmm. my game run by a 10-year-old. But I want you guys to know, and when I say you here, I'm not talking to you three. I'm talking to the audience. There's a 10-year-old child who, is, despite being the youngest member of the group, is so excited about gaming that he, for his birthday, wants to run a session of our Shared West Marches game. 
And he, by the way, this is only about maybe the fifth or sixth time he will sat down to play an RPG, period. Mm-hmm. What's your excuse? Now, with that said, uh, so I'm just pumped as hell. If this kid wants to GM, I don't care how yeah. it goes. I'm going to encourage this. If Even if it leaves, and it may go great. Let's say it doesn't. Let's have to fix things later. I don't care. Right. Well, he has one huge advantage going in. You're sitting at the table as a player. When it comes to running a game as a new GM, having players that are GMs that are actually there actively playing. Yeah, actually there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> actively playing. <laughs> playing. Can really help the new GM because you see when he struggles, you can help him. You can throw mm-hmm. him bones. When he throws a plot point that you would normally ignore, you can go down that path because yeah. you're there to support him. Right. And, you know, that's something I think it's kind mm-hmm. of overlooked sometimes how much the players can impact the success of a game session. Yeah. And you know, his parents are going to be trying to help him be successful. Yeah. You're going to be helping him be successful. His brother will give him a ton of shit because it's his brother but i i want a tpk i want (laughs) the most i mean just not okay for a 10 year old game (laughs) to run i want unspeakable atrocity visited upon the characters that's what i want i want monty cook to be ashamed that the book of vile darkness did not fall to the depths of depravity <laughs> that this young man is going to have wrought upon the PCs. That's what I'm hoping for. When is this game? Cause I need to be there. <laughs> I believe this Friday. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I say, why don't I just start with, so what day have you already made not free? Every day, every day is yeah. not free. I mean, then why you did you ask? I, I know I'm the worst friend ever. I should. I'm. I'm gonna go. I'll see. <laughs> all right. God damn it! No, that's not what I meant. I just want to talk about GM negotiation. All right, all right, all right. You're so, gonna negotiate so, with this young man, and the words, the the images that he is going to evoke are going to make me queasy and uncomfortable that's my game yeah now if this was a negative episode i would talk about how he jumps up on the table and does the whole wild bill dance (laughs) you know but it's not so i won't so huh oh yeah that does bring us to the last point of how we're getting around the lack of inwitch speaks goblinoid fortunately i took the warlock pact where i have the awakened mind so i can mentally connect with anything that speaks a language even if i don't why did no one take goblinoid they're the greatest disposable trash creature in all of Dungeons and Dragons. Well, someone did take Goblin Oil. Yeah, I know. And he speaks with garbage people. He's <laughs> I thought Julia took Goblin Oil. Yeah, I know. Guess what? <laughs> Everything I need is covered by three people. Wow. Guess who out of all the people that signed up are the only three. It's like 14 people that signed up and only three have never showed up to a game. Now, I will, I, like I, to, I will fully admit I knew that. I wanted to throw that out to throw her under the bus. I'd like to point out that at least Wayne and I come here for recordings. Yeah. We're here. That's true. That's true. So, yeah. so let's shit on Julia. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. She keeps saying she's going to show up to one of his recordings and then keeps not showing up. So I don't know. I do have a fair bit of social contact with her. I think partially because I'm her lifeline to sanity because mm-hmm. she's the whole COVID lockdown thing. He is eating her brain faster than it's his mind. And brutal. I think that's what's happening to actor too, but that's a different thing. Yeah. yeah. So actor from last episode. Yeah, I, think not following, I think it's driving not a, him mad, but, but yeah. So I have been on her about showing up to recordings, but not, not a whole lot. You know, my lifeline to sanity, cause I've been struggling with it. It is routine. You know, something I was going to, I thought about throwing out and just kind of, ignored it 
episode 52 of Fear the Boot Game Notes came out last week. Yeah, I think I congratulated on your first year anniversary. Yeah, a year's mm-hmm. worth of running this and releasing it every week without delay. That's huge for me. I don't do things on time. I'm yeah. late to everything. Well, congratulations. Everyone at this yeah. table knows I'm late to everything. And between that and releasing my Fiction Fragment Fridays on my blog consistently without missing it, these are the things that I'm going to because they are consistent and they are a schedule and they're my grips on sanity is knowing that I'm continuing to put something out there every single week. Congrats, man. Because it's, yeah, it doesn't seem like something that would be that big of a deal to be proud about, but... Mm -hmm. It really it's a positive life change. You should absolutely yeah, get out of it. It's something it really does. It means a lot to and me. And you got this big stuff enough out. that I came on your show. I mean, that right there <laughs> should give you a, that should be a mark of success. High wow. point of your career. <laughs> Would you, you want to borrow the Robin Laws Award? <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> Are you f***ing kidding? I want to take the Robin Laws Award everywhere. <laughs> you wear it on a chain. Like Flavor Flav. Easy Flavor Done and done, gentlemen. <laughs> I will make this happen. Nice. I absolutely. Okay. Okay. So, Broder, you wanted to talk about player negotiation. Uh, what is GM negotiation? I grok the two words independently, yeah. but I want to understand game conceptually. What do you mean? So, a little while back, I put the call out. I got some players to come in because I wanted to run a online D and D game that my wife could be in and experience more role play centric combat, more RP centric type of D and D game. And as we've got the closer to the game session. I created, like sorry, I mentioned, you, you said more role play centric combat. Do you mean more role play centric band combat? Because no, both. You mean both? Yeah, actually, in combat, having conversations happen. Gotcha. Having the enemies not just roll to attack, but they're going to be yelling or talking they do a to lot each of other. Okay, type okay, stuff, okay, whatever it's okay. called. Yeah, so actually, gotcha. even like, more so than we normally have in game of things like, let's say they go up against a organized like platoon or something. The commander is going to be yelling out orders that they're going to be hearing as things are going on. Things like that. So anyway, as I got my players ready for this, I've started the discord, started all the channels out. And one of the things I said was these are the, your own personal private channels that you can send me notes during games. We can do character negotiations for things like what do you want for your character as we do the character creation. First example, one of them asked, okay, are Tabaxi in this world? The cat, cat those people. are cat people. And you were cat like, people. no, it's f***ing stupid. Get away from my goddamn table. You're not playing a goddamn cat person or a f***ing turtle person or a f***ing crow person. Get out of my house. So because I'm not, bro- because I'm not Brodor. That's suspiciously specific. Yeah. So because I'm not Brodor, just instead. Just name the f- turtle people. <laughs> well, those aren't in, that's in a side book. I, yeah. They're like the only race in their book. It's very weird. Human. So, that's what you get to play. Shut up. <laughs> Anything else is appropriation. Human. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Because I'm not Brodor. Instead, what I said was, hey, I just told my wife about that. And now she kind of wants to play one. So I created a channel that I call Cat Chat oh, that only the yeah. two of them are in. And the <laughs> yeah. purpose of this is I brought them in. I said, okay, these were not originally in my game. You two together are going to talk and you're going to come up with their culture their cities, their everything. I apologize, Wayne, because this is brilliant, and my disdain for Tabaxi and all anthropomorphic races is is making yeah. it. I'm sorry, I apologize. No, actually, yeah. Wayne, here it's is, really smart. Wayne here is standing on the shoulder of giants because 
Chad did this, and that's how he got an entire yeah. Noel culture written. <laughs> a lot about how I'm putting this game together is things that I've taken mm-hmm. from Chad and Dan and my experience with them as GMs. I have a Cheap Seats channel in Discord, so people can talk while the game's going without interrupting. The private channels with each individual was something I got from Dan. The giving that, them... That, that was, I know, that was actually... Right. You. I mean, I didn't want to say... I knew it was either you or Eric, it wasn't me. Yeah, was me. I just benefited from its yeah. existence. Right. The giving, <laughs> giving that channel and telling them, here, you're going to create this culture. I got mm-hmm. from Chad. Another thing I got from Chad, I've blatantly stolen his seven questions that he did for us with the Blades in the Dark game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not I, those I, that questions. was a good exercise. Even if it didn't pan out the way you wanted it yeah. to, I thought it was a good exercise. Yeah, I've Thanks. gone... So far, I'm in day two, and I've given them two questions. Question mm-hmm. one was... My whole setup is they are all part of a adventuring guild. So to explain what Wayne's referring to with the seven questions, I don't know if we mentioned that on the show or not, because I can't remember what I do most of the day. Right. Yes. Yeah. I know I talked about it a but, lot on game notes. Okay. Yeah, well, I find that I'm but on high the, all the time and have better recollection than a lot of people. Just of what the seven questions were was he asked us seven questions that I don't I want I wouldn't say they were leading. Right. They were more open ended than some of like the dread style questions mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, you dislike the person to your left. Why is that? It right. wasn't like that. Like one of them was, uh, what do you do with a drunken sailor? Right. Out of that, I wrote the answers from the sea shanty because mm-hmm. I recognized that it was the title of a sea shanty. And, but then I thought like, why would my character say that? Cause it was originally just me being funny or attempting mm-hmm. to be funny. But then I'm like, maybe he actually was on a ship. Mm-hmm. And so that became part of his background that he was a sh- instead of a doctor on land, he was a ship surgeon. Yeah, and the more we all talked about it, the more all of us as players realized those seven questions made us think about our character before we started playing, and we all had far more developed characters than usual. More importantly than developed, we were all more excited to play those mm-hmm. characters than we usually are for a first session. Yeah. It was seven questions because I wanted to ask one question every day. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's I'm doing the exact yeah. same thing. My first session is on next Monday, so I started yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started actually Sunday. So it ends up going Sunday to Sunday and then we play the next day. Yeah. My first two questions were I had set up that they're all part of an adventuring guild and they've been sent out to be basically on a small town on the frontier. Well, my first question is why did you choose to join an adventuring guild? Mm-hmm. You could have safely lived at home or done a normal life, but you chose to be an adventurer and join the guild. Here come the Batman stories. <laughs> Question number two for the next day was, mm-hmm. tell me about your mentor. Who was it that taught you to be you who totally you are? Stole that one. <laughs> tell me, yeah, tell me who taught you to be who you are and what did they do that just drove you insane? Yeah. yeah. She doesn't take her dishes from the island <laughs> The three feet to the f-ing sink. That's, that's it. Huh. That's it. That's that's your mentor. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I'm doing the seven <laughs> questions thing. But... I thought you said tormentor. I'm <laughs> super confused. But those are the kind of negotiation things that were happening. Are things like, well, I'd like to play this, but that isn't something that was in one of the books we talked about. And I start working with people. The taboxing one ended up being, I've got two players that are interested in this. I'm putting them together. I'm putting them in a channel. I'm poking in the channel occasionally. But they are back and forth talking and creating that whole culture and society. Yeah. And those are the kind of things that I'm talking about when I say negotiations. One of the things, I've got a monk that is one of the Tabaxi. In the game, that would be part of my problem. <laughs> yeah. There's a monk that is one of the Tabaxi. And I'm looking at the rules. Cat and, fight. 
Hmm. Well, I'm looking at the rules and you've got the monk's unarmed ability, but you don't have that for the clause. That doesn't make much sense to me. So I made a rules ruling without being asked and said, okay, your monk unarmed counts for your clause too. You can use agility versus strength to hit with your clause because it makes sense. That's the kind of thing for like negotiation. Sometimes it's they come and they ask about something and I yeah, throw ideas back and forth and we'll kind of work it out. One of them, one of the players came to me and said, I have, this is the character I want to play. I have some concerns. And uh, I read through it. It's like, well, I'm okay with you know most of that, but let's take this question to the group as a whole and see if this is going to be a problem for anyone else. And so we brought it to the whole group and they kind of talked around back and forth and made some tweaks to it so it wouldn't be disruptive for any of the other players. That's what I mean by negotiation. I don't really have ever done negotiations with players before mm. because usually the characters all get put together at one session zero. And I'm trying mm. to do a lot of session zero online ahead of time. But more importantly, normally I'm playing with a bunch of people I've run for before. And I've run one shots for some of these people, but I haven't played with these people. If Chad asked me that he wants something, I can probably figure out what he's getting for, why he wants it. I don't know that for any of these people. So that's negotiations are new to me. I can give you a real world thought exercise. We can actually solve together, but let me first give you a real world parallel. That's just kind of funny to me, which is I'm doing that right now, but it's happening in a completely closed environment. The player puts down the request. It disappears (laughs) and then reappears fulfilled on the other end, but perhaps adjusted. Because since I'm running, you know, this West Marches game for my family, and as obviously we've mentioned, it's got kids in it all the way up to adults, the requests have been fairly diverse. And not just because of the age range, but also because of the huge gaps in play experience. You have me there who's been playing role-playing games about as long as John's been alive. You've got John there who's been playing games no short amount of time. Then you all the way down to people who are literally sitting down for their first role-playing game in their life ever and all points between. And so there have been some kind of unusual requests because I think sometimes when they look at the game books, they see what's cool but don't necessarily understand how it fits in the world. And so one of my nephews was really insistent because he's big into this cartoon called We Bear Bears. And, you know, they look at the books and they just see things that are cool without necessarily understanding how they fit into things. And so one of my nephews, based on that, said, well, he really wanted to play a bear race. Well, there really isn't one. I'm like, you know, there is the template of a were creature. So I guess I could apply a were template and make you a were bear. And I could figure out some way to snap were bear bear. Yeah. I guess the Wii is now sort of where. All right. So there you go. And it'd be pronounced Web Bear Bear. Web Bear Bear? Yeah. yeah. And then the other one, he's really into snakes. And so he caught a glimpse of the, what's called the Yonti Abomination, which is basically, it's like, it's a snake that's highly intelligent and has two arms, but otherwise is exactly like a snake. And so I worked up rules based on somebody's Unearthed Arcana submission for how to adapt the Yonti Abomination to be a playable race. Then Adam, who picked an off-kilter race, but picked probably the least disruptive one, because he's really big into nature and bird watching and all this stuff. So he wanted to play a furbolg because the furbolg, it's an it's a race from Volo's Guide to Monsters that's really close to nature and they're really yeah. chill and they're the gentle yeah. giants. Well, unlike the others, they actually 
have rules in the game for playing. Yeah, there actually are rules for playing a a furball. The but the one thing he asked me in negotiation was there's something in there, or maybe it was from his character background. It wasn't his race; it was his background. I think that's what it was because he was supposed to have something that he knew that no one else did, and he asked me if he could punt that or ditch that in return for being able to intuit things about the environment based on observing birds. So like he could just notice that the birds are stirring over in this area. And because of the kind of bird that's stirring, that means that something recently died there or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I can accept that. I mean, we'll put a roll with it. It's not a freebie, but yeah, I can accept that. Yeah, I've noticed as I've been doing these, that most of these players seem to assume that the answer is going to be no. When they bring things forward, it's like, have you been playing under a lot of okay, GMs that well, have told you no? Well, see, in my, Good. Okay, my real world Good. exercise. They need to understand no. <laughs> well, okay. So my the, here's my real world issue, one that we can solve together, which comes from the Blaze in the Dark game. Oh, no. <laughs> Help me out, Mike. Help me say no. Help me say no. No, no, no. no. I don't want to. Here, here, let's start out with a hard one. (laughs) off. That's too much. She's working back. I'm like, I don't think it's going to work, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) It's inspiring. (laughs) There is something that has been true of the two characters I've played in recent memory that have struggled to fit into their respective games. I have spent the time since we played that game of Blades in the Dark trying to dissect why... Not just dissect the NPC you almost dissected, but... Yes, but dissect (laughs) my own character and myself. Like, why... What's the issue in my head? Where am I coming from? I know that I feel something, but why do I feel what I feel? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I noticed that the character in the Blades in the Dark game that I'm playing felt like he didn't fit in and felt specifically like he did not fit in in the same way that my one abortive attempt at a Dresden character did not fit in, which is, I think I understood the character. And because I understood the character, I started assuming things about the world. Right. I did not understand how the character fits into the group or the world. I only understood the character in context of himself. I think fault is the wrong word. It's not your fault is not an error that you made. We didn't do a session zero. Yep. Right, right. And I you know, for, for and the I think we have a group. One other thing going into it along those lines, these are both also games that have a setting. A very weird setting. A very weird yeah. setting that you hadn't known that setting yet, but at least one or two other people at the table did. Right. And so I came into the games with some assumptions about who my character can be and how my character fits in. And what exactly is possible? These project clocks and such. And I set myself up for something the game doesn't allow or, you know, is not really structured to accommodate, I guess would be a better way of putting it. But that aside, right, I still like the character. Mm -hmm. And I think Chad's running a fine game. I don't think those are the issues. I think the issue is trying to negotiate out how do we get what it is I want out of this character without asking Chad to radically rewrite, rebalance, or throw out huge portions of Blades in the Dark, which wouldn't be fair not just to him, but to everyone else at the table. Because suddenly you're yeah. not playing Blades in the Dark. No, it's Calvin Ball. Yeah, and it's... Because yeah. and yeah, I've even been another player sitting at the table. I love your character, Dan. Character's and great. I don't at all disagree with you that it wasn't fitting in with the world. Yeah, and so I think... 
the character, I think, over time could fit in better and better with the party. Now, we did admit one thing we skipped here that really, really hurt yeah. was we did a lot of character prep individually. We did not do the FTB 9000 hmm. compliant session zero where we do a group template. And so we did not get out. How, what do the characters need to fit in with the world and each other? Well, you mean even people who've done this for decades and espouse to have a great understanding of the hobby still make mistakes? That's crazy. Yeah. Wayne, do you want to talk this through? Do you want me or do you want me to use this example? Because I can. I say let's use the example. All right. So let me explain the situation to those that are listening at home and may or may not have heard the AP or whatever, because we're not playing Skies of Glass. We're playing Plays in the Dark right now. We finished the Skies of Glass game and Wayne and I are still working with VC on putting that together into a codified rule book. Thank you to those of you who are giving us feedback on it, which we are actively using. I have to say, we've been getting a lot of good feedback on it. And part of it is because they gave me the feedback of, we'd like you to give us a Google Docs version of it so we can make the comments right there in the document. Yeah. And so that's what I did this time. Besides the PDF, there's a Google Docs version for the people that are in Patreon. And they've been making the comments right there so we yeah. can go through the document and see exactly where they have feedback. And then we dump them to a spreadsheet where we collate and answer all of them. And then and, as, and as we delete go the spreadsheet, yeah, then delete the spreadsheet. Okay. And yeah. yeah. But no, we, <laughs> we, uh, no, we, we, a lot, I mean, we have to, of course, sort through these of, yeah. do we need to resolve this? If so, how, and then we work out what we're going to do with it. But okay. So that aside, since we didn't do that for this game, since we didn't do the session zero and all the group prep in terms of how do we fit in at the metagame level with what Chad has in mind or how the rules work, how do we fit in with each other? That did leave some things that I don't think are irretrievably broken. Right. But I think I, need I some reconciliation on the fly. So the Blades in the Dark world is very strange. And I think the biggest miss that I did was I really wanted to, we really should have had a session zero so that I could sit down and I can explain the setting to you guys. Yeah. Because I felt that Everybody has great characters, and I'm not just saying that to, to jerk everyone off, but everybody does have really good characters. They're, they're detailed, they're interesting, and people are pumped about them. And they were almost majority created in a vacuum. And because it's a we're bad guys, we're scoundrels, and it's a dark world, we do have a lot of lone wolves. And yeah. this is where the whole idea of the seven questions came from. They're not leading questions. I might collate them and give them to Dancing and put them in the show notes. The purpose of them is not... One of the examples is, who is your mentor? It wasn't that simple. It's not, who is your mentor? It is, nothing is free in the city of Duskwall, but you've learned your skills from someone, from somewhere. Yeah. What price did you pay to learn these skills and who taught them to you? So the, the point is, obviously, everyone's going to have skills. That's not a leading question. Right. The point is to convey that there's nothing free in Duskwall. Yeah. Everything you have, you either take or you've paid for. Yeah. And something has been passed on. So what I'm trying to do is I was trying to convey the world a bit in the questions. I was trying to get them to think about their characters in, in different ways, too. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2021. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.